I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. Today we're talking about The Pajama Game, which is a 1957 musical that's based on the 1954 stage musical of the same name, very similar production. And that was also based on the 1953 novel Seven and a Half Cents by Richard Pike Bissell. The film was produced and directed by George Abbott and Stanley Donan. We've seen a lot of Stan- other Stanley Donan movies. And mm-hmm. most of the Broadway cast repeated their roles here in this movie, with the notable exception of Doris Day, who was not in the Broadway production. The choreography is by Bob Fosse, who also staged the dances for that Broadway production. So Sid Sorokin has just been hired as the superintendent of the Sleep Tight Pajama Factory in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The union there is pushing for a raise of seven and a half cents per hour to bring them in line with the industry standard. The factory's owner, Mr. Hassler, thinks the raise is unnecessary. Surprising no one. Sid, (laughs) Sid soon falls for Babe Williams, the union's grievance committee, At the company picnic, they become a couple, but Babe is worried that their roles in management and labor will drive them apart. And sure enough, when Babe sabotages the machinery, Sid fires her, which obviously ends their relationship. Meanwhile, Sid discovers that Hassler reported the raise to the board as having been instituted months ago and has been pocketing the difference himself. Sid threatens to send the evidence to the board um, if the raise is not immediately paid and everyone lives happily ever after. <laughs> and dances ecstatically. That's right. And dancing ensues. <laughs> um, it's interesting because like I was expecting this film to be less pro-union than it is Mm -hmm. yeah i was totally surprised at how pro-union this movie was (laughs) like i watched the first half one night and the second half another night and the when i stopped it like halfway through i was like oh this is gonna go in a really bad direction Mm -hmm. and sid's gonna be like union busting and they're gonna bring in a bunch of scabs and then it (laughs) was totally unexpected the way it turned out Mm -hmm. And have you seen this before? I don't know if I... No, I had not seen this before. And I was expecting something more in line with other Doris Day movies where it's like basically a straight movie and then periodically she randomly bursts into song. So the fact that it was more of a like, more of an actual musical with like full-blown like musical numbers in it, I was not prepared for. Yeah, I mean, this was... You could tell that it had been a broadway show first because it really was like i'm like 50 percent singing and dancing i would say (laughs) yeah Um, it's at least like there were a couple times where i was like we just had a song we don't need another yeah and they were of like varying levels of interest to me like some mm-hmm. of them I really liked and some of them I was like you should have cut this for the movie like why did well, you keep this in? I think they cut six songs from the Broadway production for this movie that shocks like, me <laughs> so what so- how bad were those ones that they had to- well, well so they tell replaced- me 
they replaced one okay so trivia they replaced one of the songs i forget which one with the standard hey there um which sorokin sings to himself um in the office as he's you know feeling glum because babes what hasn't agreed to go out with him yet yeah Um, i actually not not the lyrics but like i think that is a very catchy song mm -hmm. well Mm. i had heard that song because i'd heard like a rosemary clooney recording of it so i was like delightfully surprised to hear it in or yeah hear it in this movie so that's one piece of trivia another is that this is the only film in which carol haney who's who plays gladys hotchkiss the secretary has a speaking part in all her other films she was strictly a dancer and i think i think this was her last film as well i'm gonna talk more about her but yeah this is the only place that i believe she's on film performing yeah otherwise Um, she was just dancing yeah right just dancing as if that's not like a (laughs) elevated art form so one of the main problems in the factory is that the workers want a seven and a half seven and a half cents raise and they're willing to go on strike to get it it doesn't seem like much now in our time seven and a half cents but then in in 1954 when the play was written the industry standard for mill or garment workers was about a dollar 25 an hour or about 50 dollars a week so the raise would have added three dollars to each paycheck which would have been a six percent increase so it was actually quite a bit yeah i thought i mean i didn't know that you know real world context but i liked how they had that song towards the end that was Mm -hmm. like actually spelling out how much that would add up for them and how it wasn't nothing yeah although like listening to what all that like would like work out to for them made me realize just like you know as we like extrapolate into our like current time you know the whole thing lately is that like you know the obviously the cost of things has you know increased more quickly than or been inflated more than our our incomes so, so. oh yeah I, the, I mean I live in a state where the minimum wage has not changed since I was a kid which is wild. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, the price of uh, a house is like tripled. <laughs> yep. Yeah. See, I knew it was good we were going to do this movie because now we can talk about all of these things. I know. Social justice through and through. Doesn't pass the Bechdel test, however. Oh, gosh. Uh, okay. So then the, the last piece of trivia I have is that so the original production of the Pajama Game opened at the same St. James Theater in New York on May 13th, 1954. It ran for more than a thousand performances and won the 1955 Tony Award for Best Musical. Shirley MacLaine was in the ensemble and she was an understudy to Carol Haney, speaking of. Shirley MacLaine went on at least once for Miss Haney. As I, I mentioned, you know, all of, there were a bunch of people who were in the movie, including Carol Haney, John Raitt, who played Sorokin, who were in that production and recreated. We actually, not only were they like in the film, they were played the roles that they played on stage. I did read about the Shirley MacLaine, and mm. I have more to say about that. And John Haney, I'd not seen in anything before, and mm. he's not my cup of tea, but I thought... <laughs> He was a good vocal match for Doris Day. John Wright. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. John Wright. He was. You combine because... two characters, two actors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had a really powerful voice, and I think a lot of times, if someone is as good as Doris Day, it's like, who are you going to put them with? Yeah. 
Right. It doesn't just overpower them. But he yeah. seemed like one of those, like, very much like a Rodgers and Hammerstein, like, brawny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, because I, I almost bioed him, but I didn't. But, like, he was, I don't know if he originated, but he was um, Curly in Oklahoma. Of course he was. <laughs> and he also was the lead in Carousel. And those are both, uh... like, very macho, mm-hmm. like, he-men type roles. And then this one was kind of like that, too. Yes, he-man. Not very yeah. thoughtful. No. I mean, I, I you know, I enjoy like maybe a Gene Kelly, a Fred Astaire. (laughs) (laughs) And Gene Kelly will come up too. So um, let me tell you about Carol Haney. She was born in 1924 in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and began dancing at a young age. By the time she was a teenager, she had opened her own dance school. And after high school, she left the East Coast for Hollywood and made a big impression and Jack Call, the dancer and choreographer, made her his dance partner and assistant from 1946 to 48. And in 1949, she was offered a job assisting Gene Kelly. Oh. Um, and he kind of mentored her. And while assisting him, she also appeared in several of his films in the chorus. And if you remember from Singing in the Rain, um, when they do the like Broadway melody oh, dance yeah. sequence... Uh-huh. So the female lead of like that sequence was originally supposed to be for her. But Kelly was overruled by the producers because they thought Haney wasn't like, you know, stereotypically sexy enough for it. Mm -hmm. So it Mm -hmm. then it was given to centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but Haney got her chance at stardom later at MGM when she was teamed up with a young Bob Foss in the movie Kiss Me Kate in 1953. Oh. And the dance he made for that show was like a huge hit and brought him his first choreographic assignment on Broadway in The Pajama Game. And Foss insisted that Haney be brought to Broadway to dance a minor role in that but george abbott the broadway producer was so impressed with her that he fired one of the lead actresses and combined her role with haney's dancing part to create the role of gladys hotchkiss oh wow yeah created for her yes um and she was a complete hit in this and like you mentioned this was her first triple threat major broadway role and she Mm -hmm. hadn't actually spoken in any previous film appearance Mm -hmm. but she got critical acclaim for it and she received a tony for the role oh wow um but and then like you mentioned a month into the broadway run haney tore her ligament and then that gave shirley mcclane her big break um because a big producer had come to see haney but mcclane went on and then she got offered a contract um and they do kind of look alike yeah and um haney recreated her pajama game role in this film in 1957 and then she focused her career more on choreography for broadway in the flower drum song in 1958 which was directed by gene kelly bravo giovanni in 1962 she loves me in 1963 and funny girl in 1964 and she earned three tony nominations for best choreography wow 
Uh, yeah, I know. She's really cool. I was like very impressed with her. Yeah. Her diabetes. So she had diabetes and also reportedly alcoholism. Mm. So she, uh, she died actually at a young age in 1964 from pneumonia. Okay. And she was only 39. And it was just a few weeks after Funny Girl opened. Mm. And she was greatly mourned by the theater and dance communities. Yeah. So I had to... I had to pick her because, oh my gosh, hell, I have to say, like, even if you disregard everything else from this movie, <laughs> that the steam heat number oh, absolutely uh-huh. knocked my socks off. I went nuts for it. And <laughs> I have watched it multiple times since then. Oh and God. I just, I I made Mike watch it this morning over breakfast. Oh my God. <laughs> I just thought it was incredible and she was so good in it and it I am like less of like in the world of like dance and musicals and stuff I'm like you know I lean more towards like a Gene Kelly than I do like a Bob Foss but I just thought that whole the just the whole scene was incredible and it was like so creative and it was so athletic and uh-huh. I just like couldn't get over it. So I was like, um, I have to learn more about Carol Haney and <laughs> yeah. how she got to be this talented and all of that stuff with like the bowler hats and like uh-huh. the hands and all of that. Like that was just like totally new for this time. Yeah. I mean, like wild. we think of that as yeah kind of like silly now but it's I yeah anyway did you like that scene too I did yeah I mean I think in some ways I like I thought a lot about like an American in Paris a lot because there were these like long extended dance numbers where I was like not really advancing the plot and yet like the dance style like you said was completely different and just like so fascinating that like it, it was uh, I don't even know what the word is like energizing I guess like, yeah okay sure we're on we're on this train and we're going <laughs> yeah I also thought it was just interesting that like the first of all this just reinforces my idea that like everyone at a union is singing and dancing all the time <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need to follow this movie up with like newsies or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of my favorite movies, but that's, <laughs> it just combined a lot of things that I like. But second of all, like I it it also really made me think a lot about like the changing attitudes towards unions mm-hmm. and like that this it was such a prevalent like part of American life this was like late 50s that this movie came out and then like that it was just like oh yeah like the union and like no they didn't even explain anything like they were at all these like rallies and like paying their dues mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. and I, I just could not imagine a movie like this coming out now and it being like oh yeah the union and this is <laughs> this is great it kind of made me sad actually mm-hmm. yeah because like you said they they didn't have to explain all the the things because and now when you see like big I mean we're talking about this movie during like an impending auto strike SAG after is still like striking like the there are museums in our Philadelphia and the and Minnesota the, like big uh, museum unions that are just like striking <laughs> and making like demands for workers rights and that seems like almost foreign now like sort or not foreign um almost old-fashioned like it's like 
we shouldn't have to demand these rights in 2023. And yet here we are, we have to demand the rights in 2023, because we didn't still need unions. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've successfully been sold this bill of goods that's like, you know, you don't need the unions because you can be the exception. And if you Mm -hmm. just work hard enough, it does like you, you don't need to worry about what people are making at the bottom, because you're going to be the one who gets ahead or (laughs) I also thought that this movie, like the other thing this made me sad about was like, the union was clearly the social centerpiece of these people's lives. Mm And they had a really strong community, you know, they, they were all like friends and supporting one another and they had their meetings and like, I mean, I don't know how true this was of like actual union meetings, but they had like legitimate entertainment for people (laughs) at the union meetings and like they had their picnic and it just made me think more too about like how we don't have these sort of social places outside of family and work anymore that are like bringing people together and yeah Yeah. there's no like yeah third place yeah well what what are your big picture thoughts hell I kind of just like jumped into it (laughs) no I mean one of us had to jump into it my initial thoughts are very similar to some of the things you already mentioned it that it felt very much like a stage play that had been like transformed into a film production I could just imagine like oh yes this this being on Broadway with in some ways like all of the the all the union stuff made me a little bit sad I think just like knowing like okay yeah 60 years in the future 70 years in the future however many years have passed like they're still fighting for like basic basic things and like we need a seven and a half cent raise which doesn't sound like a lot and seems like ridiculous but like when you add it up do some math add it up and it like actually is a lot to also know that like the boss like was being underhanded about it you know all of that just made me a little bit sad yeah it was sad like I I was kind of surprised when Sid was going after the book like I thought he was gonna it was gonna go in a different direction and he Mm -hmm. was gonna do something to like squash the strike but -hmm. instead he was actually seeking out information that would aid them (laughs) I know. I was so surprised. Question. So I don't know if I missed something, but like, so he fires Babe. Yes. And then does she ever get her job back? I mean, I think that's implied that she gets her job back. Like once the the strike is over and they get the seven and a half cents and Hassler like has to like save face. But I think otherwise she's just like hanging out because she's even though she was fired, she's still part of the union. Yeah, that whole thing. I was like, you can't date someone who fired. Well, first of all, you can't date your boss slash your subordinate. Right. (laughs) So second of all, terrible idea. Why would you date someone who fired you? Well, but they broke up because he fired. Yeah, but then she got back together with him. Because he all ultimately like turned around and was like she realized that like that he was the one who had like convinced Hassler to like make the change yeah I think they should have made it more explicit though that she got her job back because I in the end I was still like do you have a job (laughs) well I think that's implied because I'm like at the end where it like fast forwards you know however many time and 
how much time and then they're doing that like pajama um, fashion show fashion, a sleep tight pajama fashion show yeah and to me that seems like it's a work event where they're all like doing to their co-workers they're like modeling their products so uh, to me it was implied that she like got her job back they got married everything's fine we all still work at the pajama factory yeah I mean I guess that's true at the end I mean that was a weird scene at the end with the so weird. fashion it's show like... <laughs> it was kind of funny watching this because it, it unions like it just as we're talking about how people are still fighting for stuff there is like a still a strong union culture like in the trades in philly mm-hmm. and people do still strongly associate with their locals in a way yeah. that i think is not maybe typical of like other parts of the country like there was this whole Mm -hmm. article there was some kind of article recently about how it was unique to like online dating in philly that people would post their union oh as a way to like attract really mates because like it showed that you had a good job if you had a union job in philly oh so i mean that that's still a thing because like I thought about that when when they had their picnic and everything and it was like the local 343 I was like you know there still is some of that culture yeah. but it's more it's like you know the electricians union or like mm-hmm. the carpenters union etc yeah did you notice that there were no people of color at all anywhere yes <laughs> it was like mm-hmm. pretty darn white yeah i mean that that's also uh there's like a history obviously of racism and organized <laughs> labor that's yeah. still ongoing in philly too yeah what is your like family relationship with labor and stuff so nobody in my immediate family oh i guess <laughs> actually no i lie i lie completely I am not part of a union, but the my organization's national organization, of which we are a part for HR purposes, they have a union and their union has proposed a lot of things that I have benefited from. I take it all back. Okay. <laughs> I am not personally part of a union, but I benefited from the union at my organization. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because you're management or are they just, it's just not at your organization? No, like, yeah, it's just not at our organization. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I'm just, it's it just, it's an interesting time for labor because like more white collar jobs are yeah. unionizing now. Well, I mentioned the like the museums. Like mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Museum of Art has like if you follow the art world at all or the museum world at all, it's hard to like miss that. The story of the PMA final like I don't know how long it took for them to get a contract and then management went back on their word on a couple of or maybe all of the things that they agreed to. So Yeah. I mean museum we both have worked at different cultural institutions and museums are a world that could really use that because they could benefit from (laughs) yeah Um, what about in your family are there even I would say like I was raised with strong support for labor because both of my grandfathers had factory jobs and were in unions and it was like like at the around the time of this movie like they it was like they had the same factory job like their entire career. The unions enabled it so they could like support families on just that income. They were very devoted to that. And actually, the um, one of my grandfathers, they kept trying to like promote and he would not accept the promotions because he if you became management, you couldn't be in the union. Oh. 
and he thought it was more important to be in the union than to get the raise. <laughs> so it's, wow. I mean, that says something. And then um, my mom also, like recently, as you know, helped to organize, like unionize her workplace oh. before she retired. So yeah. what a badass. <laughs> yeah. So yes. And also like the last place I worked, they tried to unionize and I wasn't eligible because I was in like a supervising position, but it actually like failed to go through. So that like that was weird to see yeah. like an attempted unionizing. And it wasn't it wasn't like squashed from the top, but like you could see that people have more like mixed feelings about unionizing in these days than they used to. Yeah. And then a lot of um, Mike's family are in like the unions um, in Philly. Like a lot of his, 50% of his relatives are. <laughs> <laughs> They're just all. Yeah. Is there a, a big nurses union in Philly? Not, th- I don't think so. Even though it's, it's like such a healthcare city. There isn't, I mean, I feel like now I'm like, we're, we're getting off topic, but I just think it's like <laughs> fascinating to like. We don't have to do the social justice segment anymore. I know we it. don't, we basically did it. I just thought it was very cool. Like the level of passion that the people yeah. had in the movie. And it, this is not to say like, it's not like I was, you know, a hundred percent loving this movie. There were a lot of things yeah. I did not like about this movie too, but I just. <laughs> like how it didn't really make any sense but i mean yeah it didn't make sense like the gender politics were Terrible. quite bad also um, somebody was like attempting to murder their partner so that was that and that was played for laughs yeah whatever it's fine <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that part was ridiculous and that there were a lot of like mad men type vibes of like at the company picnic, it was just like a time to hook up basically. But like a lot of the stuff was being played for laughs that I was kind of like, what is happening? Like one of the girls kind of has her hair messed up and her dress is ripped. And then someone's like, what happened to you? And she's like, don't go into the woods. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. Just a little light assault. <laughs> yeah. The part with where Sid takes Gladys out to try to get the key. Oh. And she gets super drunk. And then he says to the other guy, like, can you take her home? And he sees that she's super drunk and was like, heck yeah, I'll take her home. Oh my God. Yeah. That was upsetting. And all of that was just like, isn't this hilarious? Hilarious. Absolutely. Just hilarious. Sure. And also the Sid character, I wasn't a huge fan of just in general. Like he knocks the one guy down and then everyone is like, oh, it was justified. You can just knock someone down. Yeah, no problem. Well, and also that this key just like, like shows up in town and like waltzes into the factory and is like give me a job yes and i wrote down and i literally wrote down just waltzes in and becomes superintendent question mark yeah. and then like as the movie went on i was like well maybe like i just missed something and he actually was qualified and then he explicitly says later in the movie i was not qualified for this job position i bluffed my way into this position is what he said yeah and all of these people who are like working there these garment workers presumably have been there a long time and yeah. i was like why don't you just why don't you have one of them be a leader like do although this i job? guess i wonder like i wonder how many of them would share the same sentiment as your grandfather of like they don't want to be management they want to be in the union i guess that's true it could be that but i find it hard to believe that like all of those people would have <laughs> that's right Every felt that way. 
none of them would have just been like i need the money (laughs) yeah please please pay me more and then i also did not like the dynamic between sid and babe where period yeah period he asks her out she says no then he pretty much like i don't know if it was just the song lyrics or what but like says she's a snob and then at the picnic like he asks her out again and then he just grabs her and kisses her yeah like after she had said no No. again (laughs) i also wrote down is everyone on lsd at this picnic (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um it's one of the benefits of working at the sleep (laughs) at jam factory (laughs) just get get some lsd once a year (laughs) they just were like all going completely insane with like it was like a bacchanal (laughs) (laughs) yeah i and i still cannot get over the fact that that one guy was like chasing gladys with a knife no like throwing knives at her and at other people people. right and like at the end of it i mean i guess at some point hassler was like that he tried to murder me so you should call the police and it's like well he's you are the last in a long line of people that he has tried to murder so like restrain him (laughs) and get him out of here yeah some of those secondary characters like i wonder if it came across better on the stage but i was just like why didn't you cut like half of these people like it was it was too much and a couple of them had like pretty long musical and dance numbers that to me did not justify themselves for being included Yeah, no. I mean, one with Hainsey and whatever, like the secretary dancing where she's like trying to get because he doesn't trust. Like This is like what's behind all of the like knife chasing. He doesn't trust Miss Hodgkiss, his girlfriend, which like we were 20 minutes into the movie and I was like, wait, they're together? What? That's like not at all clear. But there's that whole scene where the other secretary is like saying like, oh, imagine all these situations and no matter like all these situations like seem obviously like she's cheating on you, you still have to trust her, which like on the one hand, I'm like, okay, sure. But on the other hand, I'm like, why is this 15 minute dancing? Yes. I mean, I guess they were trying to set up for the later payoff of him trying to murder people. (laughs) Yeah. But it wasn't funny. No. And it also didn't seem like he was like way older than her. Yes. I don't know what the deal (laughs) was with that. I don't know what the deal was with that. I also wanted to look up the actress who played Mabel because she looked so, so familiar to me and I couldn't. I, knew I, I think I looked her up and they said she was kind of a famous character actor, uh, but I, I don't know what else she has been she in. She played the cook in Mary Poppins. Yeah, I thought she was good. I mean, um, it did have a good supporting cast and there were a lot of good dancers in the ensemble. So I appreciated that. Yeah, but I don't. It's just, I mean, this is like a classic, like Rodgers and Hammerstein musical thing. But the way that people are just like instantly in love with each other based yeah. on nothing is just hard to take. <laughs> Both in love with each other, like immediately, and like this is, I guess, what I was thinking of too, because I was like, wait, but we like we nothing, nothing's happened. Like there's, I'm like I'm missing like a bunch of like the. Like the connective tissue of this narrative of, okay, you met, you fell in love, you're together, what's happening? How did we get yeah, here? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it just seemed so instant. And they did that song towards the beginning where 
she was trying to say she wasn't in love with him. Right. And Which I, I was hoping that song, I have to say, I did like overall love that song, like just artistically. Oh, yeah, that was great. And it would have been nice if they actually made it so they weren't like she actually didn't like him more. But it was just sort of yeah. instantly, like as basically as soon as he kisses her. And a lot of the messaging around this stuff is like, if someone says they don't want to go out with you, like just be persistent. And then yeah, then they will. <laughs> You'll wear them down. The real message should be, trust the no. If someone says yeah. no, they mean it. Yeah. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Well, we talked about social. I don't even know if we have anything else to say about <laughs> social justice. I don't think I don't have anything more to say about social justice. No, I mean, I think we can say that there's a strong social justice message <laughs> <laughs> overall, except there are no black people or other people of color in this movie at all. Yeah. Just to say. <laughs> yes, that's true. I mean, it's it's just this like all white union, which I'm sure is absolutely 100 percent accurate. And where is it supposed to be? Dubuque? Uh, Cedar Rapids. Oh, Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Which I'm that... sure now has like a ton of garment workers or whatever, farmers, a yeah. lot of labor that is probably not white. Yep. Um, that's true. I mean, there were things missing. Like, I wish that they had had like a slightly more tense conflict around the raise where like basically the fact that they made the owner like embezzle be like embezzle money made it so odd like it was just like morally clearly we're here yeah whereas like i wish it had been like murkier and the message had been like these people deserve a raise like a living wage because they work hard and this is like what the standard is for this work instead of it just being like you know this guy is stealing money from them and lying (laughs) Yeah. Although I guess like in on the other hand you could read that as like like actually there was no question that they deserved it and because like he was able to put it he like was able to put it in the books and apparently the board accepted that like this raise had happened. He just didn't tell the workers that the raise had happened. The board was like, "Oh, seem to be all on board yeah now that i think about it the fact that when they did the compromise they said there would be no back pay yeah it's kind of messed up because that guy stole the money so where yeah. did that money go yeah what are they i mean is that guy going to jail i mean no it's based on how this place works i'm sure they're just like ah you know boys will be boys boys will be boys <laughs> i've been living my own life making my own decisions for a long while now it's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. When you mentioned the Bechdel test before, so are there two women who talk to each other about something other than a man in this movie? I, I don't think so. They do? Wait, I'm trying to think. I don't know if they talk or sing, but like when they do the slowdown. Oh. I mean, there's certain like union stuff they talk about yeah. that's like not that's a man. I, th- I would argue that it passes, but weak it's a it's a weak pass yeah i mean i guess you're right that there are some like union things that particularly because she holds a leadership position in the the union there's you know union talk that babe participates in and inevitably there's another woman involved yes okay so it passed yeah i actually thought it was pretty cool that they were showing a union that included it you know it was like mixed men and women and a significant portion of the union was women yeah so yeah but like definitely not a feminist movie in the (laughs) way that the relationships are well so are we ready to rate yeah make you go first this time i think i would give it a three 
Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, like I said, I didn't love it, but I liked it. And I liked all the union stuff, disliked the gender politics, but like I just really enjoyed seeing the choreography in this mm-hmm. and some of the really excellent dancing. I loved Doris Day, thought she was great in it. There were a number of songs I really liked, but there were also some I didn't like. So that's kind yeah. of where I came out. Like I would rewatch this. Uh, it made me curious about like this show and if it's still like being performed. I kind of want to learn more about the uh, stage musical. So that that's where I came out i was pleasantly surprised this is not where i was expecting the show to go at all. <laughs> i think i agree i would give it a three as well yeah it felt pretty average and i probably would walk like if you want to hear singing and dancing about labor rights that's right this movie is for you <laughs> although there are a number of musicals like that to choose <laughs> but i'm glad we did it so this this was a good pick um yeah. so what's next the next movie is the big very different direction very different but ida lapino yes excellent <laughs> that's all we need to say May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter, at The Screen Sirens, and leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.